We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Cash Considerations Podcast, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Jason, you're back from Disney World. I thought you might be trapped there forever. I am back. I was there a few extra days, more than expected. The uh, the old polar vortex had me stuck in Disney World. I guess there could be worse places you can be stuck in Disney World, even though it was like only like 50 degrees in Disney World for the couple extra days I was there. But that's definitely better than negative 50 degrees and got to have a little more fun in Florida rather than being back in fucking frigid Chicago. But now I am back. It is a trade deadline week, so I'm really excited. Bro, 50 degrees in Chicago today, it feels like it's summer. No one, no oh one outside God. is wearing a coat. It's it's such a ridiculous temperature shift. Balmy. After, uh, you know, the negative 15 degree day that Jason left town for. But we are back to talk about the Bulls. The Bulls actually picked up a win this week. They beat Miami on Wednesday, 105-89. Uh, after our last podcast, that was a game where Bobby Portis just went straight ham. He went off for 26 points, uh, 10 to 17 from the field. Bulls with a big second half to come back and beat the Heat on the road. That was a nice victory for the Bulls, honestly. They followed that up on Saturday with a loss against Charlotte, 125-118. Portis goes off again, this time for 33 points coming off the bench. Uh, Markinen had a great game two against Charlotte. He goes off for 30 points on 8 of 13 shooting. Only goes 1 of 5 from 3, but great to see he was consistently getting to the foul line. 13 for 13 from the foul line. The Bulls just had no answer for Kemba Walker, though. Kemba, 37 points, 10 assists in that game, just torching Chris Dunn up and down the floor. But to be totally honest, Jason, the Bulls at this point, 12 and 41 on the season, I don't think anyone cares about the games that are actually going on. We care about the trade deadline because that's where basically all the fun the rest of this uh, month is going to lie for the Bulls. So yeah. uh, the Bulls did make a deal while while you were away. And since our last podcast, the Bulls once again giving our podcast more free publicity, Jason, because they traded for cash considerations. Yeah, uh, that's the third trade for cash considerations this year and like the last month, basically. just uh, They just keep giving us... Keep giving us all this fodder. It's fantastic. Thank you, Bulls. We don't have much to thank you for these days, but thank you for keep for continuing to do this. This trade was with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who was also looking to, just like the Rockets were, to bail on some on their big luxury tax bill. And this time, the Bulls are getting back. I, I'm not sure how you say his name exactly. Tirafe Luluau Cabrero. So yeah, something like that. This time, I guess they're going to actually keep him instead of waving like they did Mellow. Then they waved Mellow as part of this deal to make the room. So RIP to the Mellow era. Uh, Poor one out. We didn't get to see him go ham for like 40 shots like we were hoping for, like you called for the last time we talked. But the Mellow era is over. But now, yeah, we got Timothee, Timothee, whatever, however the hell you say his name, Luau Cabrero. He's going to stick around, sounds like, for the end of the season. Uh, he was a first-round pick, I believe, of the Sixers a couple years ago. He's just never really been able to find his groove. So, like six-six, athletic French guy can't really shoot. But uh, I mean, the Bulls need depth, need players. Chandler Hutchinson's out for a while. Like, I guess you might as well give the guy a shot. So, at least, at least this trade, at least for now, isn't purely cash considerations. Although they are getting plenty of cash for it. At least they're going to give at least a young guy a shot. I really have no expectations for. TLC, insert your no scrubs reference here, even though the dude is, for all intents and purposes, seems like a scrub. But 
I guess I guess we'll see we'll see if he gets any playing time and if Boylan runs him out there for a bit. Yeah, I actually liked TLC quite a bit when he was in the draft a few years ago. I wrote something on Bloggable that said, uh, you know, he was the guy who I wanted the Bulls to take when they ultimately took Denzel Valentine. So that hasn't really worked out for uh, for either party at this point. But Lulu Alcabaret, TLC, Lulu Alcabaret, I saw something from Michael Levin of the Rise to Ricky Sanchez podcast, Sixers fan, basically authoritative voice on all things Sixers. And I saw him talking on Twitter and he basically said of TLC, there's no reason for him to be bad other than that he is. Like he just hasn't really done anything. You know, you would think that he's a long wing. He can shoot a little bit. He's pretty good as a slasher. You would like to think that he could make a defensive impact, but he's made no defensive impact uh, to this point in his career. Like you said, his shooting hasn't been great. Last year in 52 games, shot uh, 33.5% from three on three attempts per game. Not terrible, but this year only 22% in limited minutes. Uh, He's also never shot above 40% from the floor. That's what he did as a rookie. Even in his second year with the Sixers, he only shot 37% from the floor. So the guy just hasn't been productive. 23 years old still. He'll be a unrestricted free agent. Yeah, unrestricted free agent this summer. I do have to say, though, I like this move for the Bulls, and I like that they're going to give him a look because why not? I mean, to be able to have a potential 3 and D wing, I think, is what the Bulls should be doing with their roster spaces right now. Yeah, they would have been nice if they could have taken a pickback or something in this, but I, I do like them getting a young prospect in TLC and Uh, I also like the move they made for Wayne Selden because Wayne Selden was great against the Heat. He had 20 points in that game. Uh, He hit four or six from three. He also had eight assists. Wayne Selden looked terrific in that game for the Bulls. That was a game in which Levine didn't play. You know, Selden, maybe he's a guy who could be a piece for the Bulls that they want to keep around. I believe Selden's a restricted free agent this summer. Is that correct? I am not positive about that. I will check. On a note about TLC, I do believe because he had... His, I believe his fourth year team option was declined by the Thunder or the Sixers, whichever team. I believe it was declined. So I think the Bulls' biggest offer for him this summer is something like $2.5 million. But like, I mean, honestly, this guy's not going to do enough where anyone's going to give him like more than the minimum. So like, I feel like if he actually did show out a bit and the Bulls wanted to pay him, $2.5 million wouldn't be that much. Wayne Selden, yes, it looks like he will be a restricted free agent. He's got a $1.9 million qualifying offer after this season. I would give him that qualifying offer. I like Selden. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, that trade is looking like a complete heist. Really like the good. Grizzlies. They got, they got Wayne Selden and two second-round picks from Memphis. Now Memphis's second-round pick is going to be pretty high. I'm pulling up. I guess Tankathon doesn't have the uh, the second round, do they? I mean, either way. I mean, the Grizzlies are going down the drain. Do. It's 36 right now. It would be the 36 pick from Memphis, and they get Selden. And the Grizzlies have gotten nothing from Justin Holiday. Now the Grizzlies are looking to sell off all their pieces. So dare I say, is this a top top five Garpacks move of the last like five years, trading Justin Holiday for Wayne Selden in two second rounders? It's like so low stakes. But we know the Bulls never actually make a trade to like bring in talent and improve themselves. So this counts as a great trade for the Bulls, I feel like. I absolutely agree. Like I, 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 we said we liked it when it happened, and it's looking even better. I think Holiday's finally started to come around like a little bit with his shooting, but because he started and was absolutely terrible, like he was, he was so bad. But even now, even if he starts to be a little better, the Grizzlies are clearly going into the tank. They've lost a ton of games since they started well. Like Solon Conley might be traded. Like I'm pretty sure they're they're just going down the drain. So yeah, this is a great trade for the Bulls. So the Justin Allen trade getting. Uh, I'm I'm kind of surprised the Grizzlies did it. I know Selden wasn't really doing that much for them this season, but he was pretty solid for them last year. And like Holiday's like fine, like he's a solid player. Like I, I thought he'd fit nice on a contender, but like to give up like a decent young guy in Selden plus the two second rounders, I thought it was kind of weird for a team that was already kind of slumping. So the Bulls, good credit to them for taking advantage of kind of probably a desperate team trying to make a move and improve themselves to make possibly make a run before making a decision on their long long-term with guys like Gasol and Conley, and the Bulls took advantage of it. So kudos to them. They said some good things about them. Yeah, I think the thing with TLC is they're just trying to, you know, TLC and Selden. Selden's had a little bit of success. The Bulls trying to replicate that, uh, you know, with TLC. Now, I think that that's definitely a gamble worth taking for the Bulls, so I like that move. Of course, we have to make fun of them for cash considerations also coming back in that trade. I think the Bulls have hit the maximum 
for it. It's like 5.2 million, yeah, I believe. Yeah, they've hit the maximum for the amount of cash you can take back for one year. So congratulations, Bulls. We could have done a mock trade deadline podcast right here, Jason, where we like trade off Carter and Markinen and Levine just for cash considerations coming back. That would have been pretty good. But we can't even do that joke in good faith because uh, the Bulls have already hit the, the league's maximum for incoming cash. So Hey, 5.2 million. That sounds awfully similar to like what Fred Hoiberg was is set to make God, next year. Maybe so uh, maybe uh, they'll be they'll be using that bit to to help pay off Fred. And speaking of that, Fred was apparently seen uh, at Warriors practice today, so that's a lot of fun. I'm sh- sure he's ser- he's sharing some bull secrets with Steve Kerr. Like like that really matters. But I thought that was kind yeah. Of well, funny. we're not going to comment on anything happening outside of our building, so let's just move on. <laughs> oh well, moving moving on, moving on. You know, I guess the other big thing happening in the league right now, obviously the Anthony Davis trade rumors, this has been going on. John and I touched on it on our last podcast. We already knew that he wasn't an option for the Bulls, but I guess the one new piece of information to come out today, Jason and I are recording this on a Monday, is that Davis would be willing to re-sign a long-term deal with some teams other than the Los Angeles Lakers. The Boston Celtics? No, not one of them, of course not, which just put the big smile on my face. I think anyone who remembers my Bulls and Six piece back in the day during uh, the prime of the three alphas era will remember my distaste for the Boston Celtics in general. But, you know, some teams on that list, the Clippers the Knicks, and then obviously the Lakers, and also the Bucks. So the Bucks being on this list and the Bulls being nowhere near it, Jason, it's just poetic, isn't it? Yes, it really is. Like, I mean, the Bucks do have Giannis, so like they do have legitimate legitimate superstar, and like the Bucks have like no path to actually get Davis with just the way their contracts are set up, but still, like the Bucks like feels like the Bulls' little brother up north for like for so long. And now they're, they have the best record in the league. They have an MVP candidate, and now they're on Anthony Davis's list. It's just like just a, such a slap in the face. Like at this point, I wouldn't even wouldn't even uh, hate Bull, any Bulls fans that basically jumped on the Bucks bandwagon for a few years until the Bulls actually get good, whenever that may be again. So like the Bucks, they, they they just really have it rolling right now. They're they're in a great position. They're a ton of fun to watch. Like I said, they got an awesome superstar and Giannis. Now now they have other superstars potentially wanting to play with them, even though. Davis obviously isn't going to the Bucks, but just the fact that they're on that list is that's a big deal for them. Well, I did see this one mock uh, trade that was successful by the trade machine from someone on Twitter. It had Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Thon Maker, DJ Wilson, Dante DiVincenzo in first round picks in 2021 and 2023 going to the Pelicans in return for Anthony Davis, Trent Frazier, and Cheek Diallo. I don't know, like the Bucks just have such a good mix right now. Like the Bucks are pretty much straight crushing teams. It seems like a lot of people believe that like the Bucks are playing over their heads a little bit and that, uh, you know, if you pulled NBA Twitter, I think that people would be thinking maybe that the Celtics have a better chance than the Bucks to win the East. But I saw this tweet from uh, Mike Prada at the end of January. He said the Bucks have the NBA's best record, by far the East's best point differential, and are seven and three against the East top three plus Golden State. I have my subjective qualms, but I've wondered for a while if I'm overthinking this. Bucks just might be a juggernaut hiding in plain sight. So I wonder, like giving up all those pieces. Uh, and it was Brogdon and DJ Wilson and obviously Middleton, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, along with DiVincenzo and Thon Maker. You know, I wonder if how much better that really would make them. And this probably sounds crazy because if you pair AD with Giannis, uh, that would just be the most amazing one-two superstar punch since prime LeBron and Wade. But really, the league in general, I feel like, has kind of shifted to become one where like you're only as strong as your weakest link. Uh, and if the Bucks really just killed their depth and killed this roster that fits so well together for Davis, uh, I don't I don't really know how much better that would make them this year. Am I being totally crazy about this? And I'm just overthinking it. Aiden and Giannis would just be the favorite to win the East immediately. But maybe the Bucks are already that this year right now. Yeah, I mean, in terms of this year, it's hard to be much better, at least like regular season wise. Like you said, like seventy five percent of their games, they're, they're thirty eight and thirteen. They're on pace to yeah win over sixty games. They're I appreciate their point differential right now is pretty historically good. Over like yeah, like it's over the in the, the recent the like decade. Yeah, like it's by, by a lot. I'm pretty sure. So like I mean, this it could be a regular season thing. 
Uh, I mean, they're going to be good. Obviously, they're going to be a good playoff team. They have Giannis. Middleton's obviously very good. Bloodsoe's been playing really well. DJ Wilson has come out of nowhere. Like, the yeah. dude was – I really liked him coming out of Michigan. And, like, he didn't play at all last year. And, and I don't think he played much at the beginning of this year. And, like, he's come out of nowhere and just been just been great. I guess you worry about the playoffs. I mean, Middleton was awesome in last year's playoffs in that first-round series. You Maybe you worry those other guys won't be as good in the playoffs. And a team like the Celtics, maybe they'll be, they're better set for a playoff playoff setting maybe i don't know i mean it's it's tough to say because i mean the bucks have just been so good it's not like they're winning a bunch of fluke games they are beating the shit out of teams so like i really don't know like i feel like trading for ad would obviously they'd still be really good and then the long-term play obviously if you have if you're pairing Giannis and ad and you and it's a way to keep, help keep Giannis long term as well like and you pair those two guys together for the next five six years like i mean obviously that's the draw there for the long-term play over the short term in terms of like just this year It'd be hard to get much better than the Bucks are right now, but like I said, that's that, it's a great position to be in. Like either we're, we have the best record in the league right now with a really with a superstar and a really nice core around him, or we have Giannis and AD moving forward for a long time. Like that's a pretty damn good position to be in. Much better than the Bulls. Yeah, like let's talk about uh, you know another piece of Bulls related trades news to come out this week, which is that uh, the Bulls only have two untouchables on the team in Larry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, that report c- came from Zach Lowe, correct, on ESPN. And basically, the point of that was to say that, you know, it's it's open season on Zach Levine and Chris Dunn, that, you know, that those players are attainable in a trade from the Bulls right now. I have a bunch of thoughts on this. Uh, first of all, Markkinen and Carter should be on the table. Like, to make them untouchable just doesn't make any sense, but obviously you would need a huge return. Yeah, I mean, I think in a... I, was, I think in a scenario like that, like obviously they're not totally untouchable. Like obviously, if you're if you try to actually make a play for Anthony Davis, at least one of those guys is going away. But like, I mean, besides him, like I don't really don't know who else is available where it would make sense to trade either of those guys besides Davis. Yeah, we know that Davis didn't have the bull. Like Davis doesn't want to play for the Bulls. But what if the Bulls hit the lottery? And if this trade thing goes back, you know, if if the Pelicans hold on to Davis uh, into the off season, then do the Bulls draft Zion and then trade Markinen and Carter for Anthony Davis? Uh, they'd also, you know, have to match some salaries, maybe take back a bad contract too, but. I mean, is that is that possible? Is that on the table? Would that change AD's perception of the Bulls, of the Bulls front office, the way they run? Uh, if you could play with Zion Williamson, I think that that's kind of interesting to think about. It is interesting. I guess in that situation, I would think the Pelicans demand Zion in that case over Carter. To me, that's a better pairing probably than Lonzo and Ingram, right? Uh, obviously, that's up for debate, but... I mean, it's, I mean, it's close bad. at the very least. And I like Lonzo. Ingram has been playing a bit better lately without LeBron. He clearly just, with, with LeBron there, just doesn't really work. He's been playing a little bit better lately, but still, he's just, I don't want to say he's bad. It just seems like, I don't know if he's ever going to really live up to what everyone thought he was going to be. Just gonna, the shooting is just so questionable. I I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, and, and Lonzo, Lonzo's, he's been injury plagued. He's got his own questions in terms of shooting. His free throws are off. Like, it is... All these, I mean, all these young guys have their have their flaws. So it definitely is at least if the Bulls could put together a really nice offer for Anthony Davis, if they really wanted to get frisky and go all in and make a play for Davis, I mean, I I don't think I could like that would be sick. I couldn't I mean, go against him because, because like even even with the risk of him leaving after a year, like I guess at this point, like what 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 are you really like bailing on? Like if 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 it all fell apart and the Bulls made a go all in for Anthony Davis, and then he leaves in a year, like. I guess at this point, like, what what do you, what are you losing out on? You're probably you're just right, basically back to where you were with with a terrible team. Like, obviously, the Bulls have some nice young pieces, and maybe they, this young core could do something. But right now, it does not look very promising. So, like, if you cash in on Davis, maybe try to sell him on sticking around. Get maybe use your cap space to get another good player or two. I mean, maybe it works out. Like, it would at least be a big risky move that we've kind of criticized the Bulls for really not making in the past. I mean, I wouldn't hate it if it and it flopped. It I mean, flopped. Like, I'd at least give him credit for Davis, trying. That would be incredible. But from Davis's perspective, yeah. I feel like it would only maybe even make a little bit of sense if the Bulls also got Zion out of it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you were somehow able to 
pair Zion and AD and then use cap space to, I don't know who you would sign. If you go after Kemba or something, or you try to pry away Middleton from the Bucks, I don't know why he would leave at this point, but I mean, they, they would have some flexibility to, to, to make something happen. I mean, it will, I don't know if Levine would still be part of the process here, but if Levine was like your, your third option in this case, it would look a lot better. I mean, they, they do have the possibility of, making things interesting, but it sure doesn't seem like that, that that's really on the table. Right, well, the point. Bulls are not getting Anthony Davis because the Bulls are yeah. trashing Anthony as Davis. As much as we like to pie in, the, pie in the sky, pie in the sky ideas, we want to believe that maybe it could happen. It'd be a lot of fun if it did happen. It'd be fun for us to talk about. But yeah, let's, I guess, probably try to move on to maybe more realistic trade scenarios with the trade trade deadline yeah. coming up Thursday. I, I want to ask you what you make of... Uh, you know, Zach Levine's name potentially being in trade rumors. Do you think Zach Levine gets moved in the offseason? Like, is Zach Levine on the Bulls next year? Does he get moved in the offseason, potentially get moved before the trade deadline? I think he has a no-trade clause, right, uh, for this season? I am not sure about that. I know, like, his date, his trade date was a little later, okay. but I'm pretty sure he can be traded out, and I, I'm honestly not sure about that. I would have to look that up, but so, I, I, I mean, if for everything, I haven't seen anything about him needing to sign off, but may, he might, he might, but to answer your question, I honestly do think Levine will be on the team next year. I think he's done enough where the bulls aren't going to bail on him right away. Unless like they get like a huge offer. Like I'm not saying he should, obviously shouldn't be untouchable. They should be listening to trade offers for him. Like, like Zach Lowe said, Lowe did also say that he doesn't think that either Levine or Dunn would be traded. And like I said, I would be, I would be pretty shocked if Levine is traded before this deadline. I'd be kind of surprised if he's traded in the offseason. I I think he gets next year at least to see if he can make any more progress, especially on defense, See if it, because he's still so talented offensively. But I think if things go south next season as well, I think that's when you would possibly see him being shopped around a little more aggressively. But I think right now, I think Levine's pretty safe. If they, if they do trade him, I wouldn't hate it. Like Levine's a fun player to watch, but it, it does kind of seem like he's more – Right now, empty stats guy because his defense is bad. And we've seen the Bulls kind of strange. You mentioned that he missed the game that the Bulls won against the Heat. And this was, again, the Bulls. I don't know. how I didn't see the game. I don't know if it was more the Heat playing or the Bulls playing good defense, the Heat being terrible, maybe a combo of both. But I believe the Bulls are under boiling now something like four and two with Levine sideline. And and like all these games have been games where they've held teams to like 90-ish points. And when Levine is played, I think they're like three and 20 with them under Boylan. So like you do still wonder how Levine affects actually winning and, uh, and as opposed to just getting all these stats, putting up pretty stats, uh, getting sweet dunks and all that kind of stuff. So like there, there is still a question mark about Levine. I personally, again, don't think he's going to be traded now. And I still think he'll be on the team at the start of next year. I think it's possible he gets traded over the off season for one, because he was most likely the guy who was leading the charge during the mutiny uh, against Boylan or the purported mutiny. And then he's been critical of Boylan ever since he became the head coach. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if John Paxson is just like generally disappointed in Zach Levine right now. And you look at the numbers, averaging a career high 22 points a game. He's still been scoring over 20 points every month. It's not like he just had a great start. And then since then, uh, hasn't been scoring. I mean, you look at his January numbers, 21 and a half points a game, 46% from the field, 35.7% from three, uh, also had three assists per game over the month. So I think that, you know, Levine, he's just terrible on defense. And it's a shame because he is a really talented scorer. There's no doubt about that. I do think that they're, could perhaps be something to the Bulls seeming to play better with him uh, out of the lineup, at least since Boylan's been the coach. And it's like I said with the Bucs, it's like I do think kind of the thing in the NBA these days that a lot of people don't realize is that you're only as strong as your weakest link, and the teams are just targeting Levine defensively uh, relentlessly when he's on the court, and I think that that has been a reason the Bulls' defense hasn't you know, been any good this year. So... Obviously, the Bulls have a lot of problems. Zach Levine at this moment is still part of the young core. I mean, the guy doesn't even turn 24 years old until March. So that puts in perspective just how young Levine is. And a lot of times guys come into their own, you know, just later. Now that, you know, he's he's been in the league for what? This is his fifth year in the league? Fifth year. But he lost, basically lost a season because of his injury. I mean, he basically lost two seasons because of the injury. Like last year was just him working his way back. He lost most of his maybe third season because of the ACL. So like he has had some setbacks there and he's still trying to figure out his way. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's it's. I like I said, I'm still I'm not out on Zach Levine yet, just because I think he is just a really can, has so much potential offensively. Still, because he's so young and he's had these setbacks and he's shown he's shown the ability to take over games at times. He's a he's a tough shot maker. Just those flaws might be too much to look past, but I'm not willing to give up on, give up on him yet. Let's talk about your favorite player on the Bulls, Jason, Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn uh, struggled against Charlotte and Kemba Walker when Kemba went off for, what do we say, 37 that game. Chris Dunn only seven points on three of 11 shooting from the field. Chris Dunn, I mean, it's been the book on him for a while, but the guy doesn't shoot three-pointers. He doesn't get to the foul line on the season, 1.7 attempts per game from three-point range. He's hitting 35%, so Chris Dunn, I mean, if this year is about development, Chris Dunn should be taking five threes a game at minimum. And then the free throw thing is tough, too, because you would think he's so long uh, and athletic that he should be able to get to the rim and at least try to fool people into fouling him. But he can't get to the foul line at all. I do have to say Dunn has been making his free throws this year. He's up to 79% on his free throws. So his shooting numbers are up across the board. You're still not sold on Chris Dunn whatsoever, Jason. Where, where, where do you sit with Dunn right now? No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not totally out. I still think he's a decent NBA player, uh, but like you mentioned, like the, his like raw shooting numbers, like the field goal percentage, three point percentage, free throw percentage, they're all they are up across the board. But when you take it all into account, when you take into the attempts, the true shooting percentage, which is a better reflection of just overall efficiency, I believe is pretty similar to what it was last year. Let's see. Yeah, so uh, he's actually down. So his first, his rookie year was basically throw it out. He was really, really awful. Last year, 48.8 true shooting percentage, which is well below league average. I believe the league average is around like 54, 53, 54 maybe. This year, it's 48.7, so it's basically around the same. Uh, just Yeah, just it's tough to have a starting point guard in the NBA who doesn't shoot threes or get to the line. Like It'd be one thing if he didn't shoot a lot of threes, but he was just a beast getting to the line. I just, I really don't understand how he can't get to the line. Like he's athletic. Like you said, he's long, he's quick. Like he can get to the lane, like a decent amount. He just never shoots damn free throws. Like I, I, it's, it's really bizarre. And just, he's, I I don't want to say he's taken an actual step back this year. There just really hasn't been a step forward. I know he had the injury again at the beginning of the year has set him back a bit and he's had, he's dealt with injuries both seasons with the Bulls, he's dealing with not, another injury right now, a, a pelvic injury. Jim Boylan said it's not that serious. That just to me says that he's going to miss like the next three three or four weeks because the Bulls have been awful with injuries this year. But yeah, just in general, like I'm just not feeling Chris Dunn as the point guard of the future right now. Like I don't want to totally bail on the guy just because, like you said, like sometimes it just happens for them later. But Chris Dunn's going to be 25 in March. This again, this is year. This is year three for him. That's a lot. Year three is a lot of the times when you do see that big, that big jump, and, and we're just not seeing it. Do you do you feel any differently? Do you still have faith in Chris Dunn being the Bulls point guard when they're good again? Well, the shooting improvement is interesting. So, like, if this year actually was about development, and Hoiberg was still the coach, and what if Dunn was taking five threes a game, like? Is Dunn stagnating because of the system where the Bulls are playing this slow-ass offensive system where Jim Boylan would rather win points in the paint than, you know, have his guys take a league average or greater than that uh, amount of three-pointers per game? Boylan probably loves the fact that Chris Dunn just wants to pull up for those mid-range twos all, all day, you know what I mean? So I wonder, like, if Dunn was in a more quick-hitting system and if uh, taking more three-pointers was emphasized if he would look better because the shooting percentages have improved uh, every year he's been in the league they're at the their best they've ever been right now. I mean, when he was a rookie playing limited minutes under Tibbs, of course, but he was awful. He's terrible. He shot 61% at the foul line and now he's at 79%. So that's a, you know, a legitimately big improvement. Same thing from three. He shot 28% or 29% from three his rookie year. And now he's at, you know, 35.5%. So it is trending up. He's got to just be like a more high IQ player though. And part of that means valuing the right shots on the floor. I still think that until he proves that this, you know, he can actually be a catch and shoot threat until he proves that you've got to play him on the ball. And on, when you're playing him on the ball, I think you're putting a hard ceiling on your team's overall success. So, you know, if the question is, is Chris Dunn going to be the Bulls point guard the next time they're good, First of all, the Bulls might be trash for like a decade. And I feel like <laughs> this that's is very totally true. on the table. Like, 
the Kings and the Magic and some of these other teams were bad forever, even though they were picking in the top 10 of the lottery. And uh, the Bulls this year, it looks like they're going to have, you know, a pick that's better than seven, we hope. Uh, I guess that's not guaranteed either, because as of right now, the Bulls have, have the, they'd be fourth uh, in the lottery right now, it looks like. Is that correct? Yeah, they'd be fourth. Uh, yes, they have fourth worst record. Yeah, so I mean, then you could fall all the way to to eight, I think, right? Because if you could, the first pick yes, could fall to five, like yeah. except, yeah, so they could hypothetically fall to eight. So no, I don't think Chris Dunn's going to be the Bulls point guard the next time they're good, but also the next time the Bulls are good could be when me and you are in our 40s. <laughs> very true for sure i guess so like if the bulls look to if they take offers like what could, i guess the pro, one problem with that now is i feel like his value just isn't very high at this point like you'd be probably selling kind of low on him like i don't even know what you would what you would get in a trade for chris Dunn. like could you get a first round pick like no way would you get like another decent young player like so i guess one of the other just i was tying into chris Dunn. like one of the other rumors that was out there recently was that if the Pelican or if the Lakers trade Lonzo Ball in a Anthony Davis trade, that I think the Los Angeles Times reported this that Ball would prefer to go somewhere like uh, the Bulls or the I think the Knicks or, the, or another team. Not I know Levar Ball came out. Levar Ball came out and said today that it, he wants to go to the Suns. But like I just I guess as, as like a hypothetical, like would you try to go and get in on Lonzo Ball in a situation like that, and ha- and would you rather have him over Chris Dunn for the long term? Like I, how would you feel about that? Because I'm, I'm not super high on Lonzo at this point but like I mean he is much younger and he's this is only a second year like I don't know I think that's it that'd be an interesting conversation as well yeah Wilms and I actually went in depth on that on the last episode of Cash Considerations while you were trapped in Disney World <laughs> so I don't know how much more we need to go into that but I do think it would probably be a, a move worth making for the Bulls for sure just because I think that you know Lonzo is a superior passer and playmaker even though Dunn's assist rate has been higher uh, this year and you know every every year of Ball's career so far so uh, that's pretty interesting I do think that the Bulls you know potentially that would be a good idea for them if they want to get a look at some new guys if they've decided that you know Chris Dunn isn't going to be the point guard for them long term but what I want to see from Chris Dunn is him to actually develop this year and that's just by taking more three-pointers because I want to see if the shooting improvement is real or not that improvement is there theoretically but like the volume is so low it might, I mean it might just be kind of random random uh just the sample size so we really just don't know because like there have been some games i can't remember which game i saw the highlights of it uh with dunn when i was gone where he to put up like three or four threes and like they were all just bricks but then he's a he has like all these handfuls of games where he goes like one of one or like one of two and that like that helps make like the the numbers look better if he's like i guess like because if he's only like taking like wide open threes like if, and if you're shooting 36 percent on like wide open threes like and that's not that great either. Like, that's why I definitely agree. Like, he needs to, if guys are going under screens, he needs to look at shooting more three-pointers. He Instead of just, like, hesitantly going around screens and take the three-pointer instead of pulling up for the mid-range. Like, drive more to the back. I don't know. He's just got to do something other than jacking out so many of these mid-range jumpers. Like, if they're going to give him three-pointers, he's got he's to gotta not hesitate. Because I remember just some of, the, some of the games that I've seen before I went on the trip when he would get the ball wide open out on three point land and he would hesitate. He would pump fake and then like dribble into a terrible shot. Like that's just the stuff kind of stuff that can't happen. We need, we need to see him taking more three pointers. Even if he misses some, even if some are ugly, like we need to see, we need to see if it's real because if it's not and he keeps doing stuff like this and he, and he keeps playing this way, like it just, it's just not going to work. All right. So let's talk about other trade possibilities yes. for the Bulls at the deadline this year. I would love to see them try to acquire a first round pick by taking on a, a bad contract that would be guaranteed through next year. I don't think the Bulls are going to hit it big with their cap space this offseason because everyone has cap space. And the last time the Bulls had cap space, they gave $20 million to Jabari Parker. So maybe hoarding cap space isn't exactly the Bulls' best plan of attack here. So that's what I would like to see in terms of the guys already on the roster right now. I mean, you know, Jabari Parker and Robin Lopez are going to be the two uh, most talked about involved in trade rumors. Jason, do you think that either of those two guys are moved? Do you think someone else gets moved? And you know, do, do you expect to hear the Bulls, who have already been involved in the trade market quite a few times this season, granted, never for doing anything more than for taking cold, hard cash, uh, you know, do you expect the Bulls to, to be involved again now that they've hit their limit for cash intake on the season? 
I mean, they definitely should be active. I mean, we've heard about rumors with Jabari and Lopez for a while now. Like, there was some stuff with the Knicks and Jabari Parker. And Jabari has looked better lately as well. Like, I think we talked about this before. Like, he's slimmed down a bit. He was, he's had some really nice games. Uh, there was a new rumor. I believe Brian Windhorst put it out there that the Lakers and Bulls have talked about Jabari and something with, like, a Contavious Caldwell Pope for Jabari swap. I'm kind of confused about that. I'm not really sure why the Lakers would do that. I mean, I guess the, the Bulls, if they were able to do that straight up, I mean, I guess – they would do that too. They would make them maybe a little bit. I'm not. I'm not even sure. I feel like that's kind of a weird trade because I feel like the Bulls, if they do trade Jabari, they might want to get maybe like a second round pick out of it. If they try to take on like a longer term contract, which I guess there's really no evidence that that's that's going to happen right now. I would like to try to get a first round pick by trading either Lopez or Jabari and taking on a, pick, a contract in the next year. I know, like, I feel like we've talked about like the Brandon Knight thing. The the Rockets are uh, looking to. Attach a first round pick to Brandon Knight, who's making like fifteen ish million next season as well. Pink that Bulls, yeah. Like I right? think that would make a lot of sense. Like I don't know really if I don't know if the Rockets really have much interest in Jabari or Rolo. I thought maybe Rolo after Capella got hurt, but then they went out and got uh, Kenneth Freed. They might look maybe if they get DeAndre Jordan on the buyout market. I don't know. I feel like Jabari and I, I would guess Rolo if he's not traded, he's going to get bought out. I feel like that just that seems like common sense. Like. There was the report that he wanted to go sign, get bought out, like immediately go sign with the Warriors. I feel like that would just be the right thing to do with Rolo. He's put, he's gone through a couple really just brutal years, rebuilding years. He took one for the team last year by basically sitting out while they were tanking. I feel like letting cutting Rolo loose if they don't trade him uh, and just letting him hit the buyout market to sign wherever I think makes sense. Jabari maybe a little more interesting. Like it, it seemed like he was completely done with the Bulls a couple weeks ago when he was out of the rotation, but now that he's back playing a bit more and he's been looking a little healthier. Like obviously I feel like they are trying to showcase him for a trade. And I feel like some team might be able to, will, might be willing to give up a second round pick just because he has looked a little better. He can be a guy off the bench. He's not totally useless in the current form he is right now. So I guess if you can get a second for Jabari, I would be totally fine. Like they won't get a first for either guy unless they do take on that longer term deal. And I, I would think maybe hopefully, but I guess besides those two guys, I think the Bulls should look into trading Bobby Portis as well. He's been great lately. Uh, maybe he's finally starting to get his his legs under him because he's had the injury problems this year. Because this was a contract year for Bobby. He, tur- he turned down the extension this past offseason. That was something, I think, around like $50 million guaranteed. The Bulls have their front court of the future right now, and Mark and then Carter, they might not want to pay a lot of money for a sixth, sixth, seventh man, a third power forward. Like, I think the Bulls can get a first-round pick for Bobby. You talked about wanting to get a first-round pick. Do you think any t- any team would offer up a first for Portis? I've thought about the Sixers as an option there. Like, and the Sixers need depth. They don't have much depth. They could use the shooting, and the, their pick will be the pick will be in the area where Portis was. The Bulls pick Portis, but I feel like I feel like that wouldn't be a bad move to make. What do you think about that? I don't know why a team would give up a first rounder for him when he's a restricted free agent. I guess you have the right to match, obviously, but like. You know, are the Bulls even going to match a contract on Bobby Portis? You could just get him in the summer and keep your pick. So, well, I mean, I guess a, I guess a team like the Sixers just like they're trying to win now. Like maybe they think that Portis can help them make a deep playoff run, and they they've used some. They ha- I feel like the Sixers probably still have a bunch of second rounders. I'm not totally sure their pick situation. They they're obviously trying to cash more in now. They they made the trade for Butler. They have their three studs for right now. Depending on what happens with Butler, they have a couple other guys in place. I mean, that's just kicking around out there. I know they maybe they'll look at the buyout market. I mean, they got they hit the buyout market big last year, which really helped them. And maybe they'd be willing to put it on the table because it is going to be in the twenties. I don't know. I, I I certainly would not trade Portis just to trade him. I think if it would be fine to go into the summer uh, the summer with him, if negotiate with him some more, maybe match a contract. But I feel like if a first round pick is on the table for him, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I wonder if Houston would take him, right? Like, as part of that Brandon Knight deal where there's a first-rounder coming back to the Bulls, maybe Bobby Portis could help Houston. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he could help. I mean, he's certainly got value. He sh- he really struggled a bit when he, he was, like I said, he's had the injury problems. But, I mean, these last two games, you see what he can do. I mean, he can he can really shoot. He can get really hot. He is, we know he's a bit of a gunner. But, I mean, the guy has value as a stretch big. His defense is also mostly terrible. But, like, as a guy off the bench, microwave score, like, the guy obviously has value in the league. Like, whether that's first round pick value maybe that maybe the houston would be willing to take that because i feel like the rockets probably will be looking to go i guess all in again like they have to do what they can now with harden having an incredible season with cp3 is only getting older like it's the time is now for them so maybe they would be willing to do something like that i don't know they're they're definitely a team that i feel like the buyout market is just 
makes some of this maybe even more difficult because like there's all these players that might just end up getting bought out. And so these teams don't have to give up any assets and they'll just set up in the buyout market and try to sign a guy or two and that'll help them. I feel like the buyout market just really is just kind of weird. Just how all these like good players just get released from teams and wind up on like title contenders. Yeah. Didn't the Sixers get Ilyasova and, and Bellinelli? Yeah. That was huge for them. Like they were, yeah. that was really good. Yeah. Uh, so anything else you expect or anything you would like to see out of this Bulls trade deadline? I guess not really. I mean, that's just kind of the main stuff. Like, I feel like after the deadline is over, I feel like Lopez for sure should be gone. Jabari probably as well. They should shop Bobby. They should shop Chris Dunn. I don't think there'll be anything crazy. Like I, I mean, I'd, I'd be totally fine. Just if the Bulls are able to get a couple more picks, even if it's not a first round pick. Just kind of set up for the rest of the season, set up the tank for the rest of the season, and let whatever young guys left, just let them play it out. And I mean, that's kind of really all I want. I, I, I feel like it's just hard to see them making any legitimately big moves that would really help, like long term. I feel like it's all just going to be smaller stuff. Like, is it, I mean, do you, have you thought about any other, like maybe kind of under the radar big moves they could make that would help them more? I mean, I guess, because I guess they don't really want to improve that much this season, but like, yeah, I think, you know, getting TLC and Selden are uh, their equivalent of, like, making under-the-radar moves. So, you know, I, th- I think that that's, that's probably about it. Yeah, because I just I feel like they, they don't want to be that much better this season. Like, the only way they would make a trade that would, like, really, I feel like really improve them this season would be if it was, like, for a legitimate, legitimate stud who they would have under contract for a while that could, like, really help them take a step forward. I guess here's, here's a question that one of my followers at k.mart asked. He said, if the Pelicans trade Anthony Davis and they look to shop Drew Holiday, like, would you try to, would you trade Levine and Dunn for Drew Holiday? Would the Pelicans do that? Like, would you have any interest in a move like that? Uh, I feel like, I feel like even like Mike Conley was brought up. I feel like I've seen people talk about Mike Conley for, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't do that because he's old and he's had injury problems and he's got a huge contract. But like, would you look at making a, trying to make a, a point guard upgrade like that with more of a veteran player to tr- try to help? a guy like Lowry, like I don't, I, the Bulls are just kind of in a weird spot in terms of like getting a player like that, where I feel like it, I don't know how much sense it would make. Yeah. How, I mean, I, I would sort of like getting Connolly. Uh, I'm looking up his contract right now, but I do think that, you know, potentially that could be a good move for the Bulls. Connolly under contract next season at age 31 at $32 million. And then uh, it looks like he has a 2020, 2021, early termination option for 34 million. So yeah, I mean, I would get Mike Conley. And if you get Mike Conley now, I don't think that you're moving in the tank standings uh, too much. Really. You would have him for next season, but you know, the bulls they're in fourth right now at 12 and 41, the way the lottery works again, the top three teams, I'll get a 14% chance at the number one pick. Uh, the fourth team would get a 12.5% chance of the fifth team, which right now is at Atlanta. They have five more wins than the Bulls at 17 and 35. They would have a 10.5% chance. So, you know, if they were to actually acquire a good basketball player like Mike Connolly, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have him for next season and you still wouldn't hurt the tank too much. But then again, like what are the Bulls actually trying to accomplish next season too? You know what I mean? Connolly in his 30s wouldn't exactly... Uh, like move the needle for the Bulls long term because right now, which is when Mike Conley is poised to help them, the Bulls wouldn't be able to win. Right. Yeah. That's what's why it's in a tough spot. I guess just like t- the whole tank race. I don't know if you guys talk about this. I know like it is certainly better. We want them to get Zion. It would be for the better. But I know like Stefan No wrote a thing at the Athletic recently that I saw. I think when I was on vacation, just talking about how like with the with these new the new odds, like how them like winning some games here and there, like isn't the total worst thing just because like, and we want them to get top three, but like, even if they finish fourth, I know that that hurts their like uh, where they could end up like dropping to like eight or nine. But like if they ended up finishing fourth right, right now, like there's like a 1.5% less chance or percentage points less than if they finish in the top three. So like, there's just like, it's all going to end up like in so much, just so much luck anyways, where it's like, if they even win a few more games, if they somehow, ended up saying like the fifth spot and so like it would be like it would be pretty insane if they ended up uh going into the lottery any lower than fifth or fifth at this point because like memphis is sixth and the bulls are like nine games uh ahead of memphis in the tankathon standings 
Yeah, the Bulls and, are not even going to come back and pass up the Hawks. Right, yeah. I mean, it's, that's a five and a half games right now. Like, I mean, the Bulls' schedule coming up isn't that tough. Like, maybe they get a few wins here and there. But the Hawks have been playing – Hawks themselves have been playing pretty decent lately too. So, I mean, if they keep winning, the Grizzlies probably will come back to the pack a bit. But, again, that's like a nine-game difference. So, like, it's going to take just a luck of the ball, Lowry balls anyway. So, I guess even if they do win, like, a few games here and there, like, if it's because of the Bulls' young players doing well, like it's not the worst thing in the world. I think that was basically the whole point of what Stefan was getting at. It's like, well, like I guess the other thing is just like if if you want them to lose enough where they have to uh, dump Boylan, that's like a whole other conversation. Because if they start winning a little better, playing a little better, they win win a bit more. Maybe that makes them want want to keep Boylan going into next year. I know you don't think that should happen. It is just kind of I th- I think the the Boylan situation kind of just makes it even makes the situation even stranger I guess like I don't know I just kind of the Bulls are just kind of in a strange spot to be in not really in a spot we wanted them to be in this season being just so much worse than we thought they would be even though if if they end up getting with Zion it, it it's it'll all be I guess much better in the end but I don't know it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how uh, this trade deadline goes and the rest of the season after it How about this I just went to Tankathon did the sim lottery one one sim uh the bulls fall down to seven they fall no. down three spots yeah if that were to happen it would be the third year in a row they picked seven and who gets number one moving up 10 spots the dallas mavericks oh and my Brian williamson with luka Doncic and chris Dasport, and, that oh god insane could you imagine that that would be a ton of fun i would uh be very happy for mavs fans but the bulls dropping to seven would be no, super unfortunate that would be terrible they yeah. no, you can't have luka and zion on the same team they need to be the man on their own teams i think and you know just looking at uh you know the top of the lottery standings right now the knicks and the Suns are tied for the worst record. I feel like you can't put Zion in Phoenix. You can't, definitely can't put him in Cleveland. I mean, the fact that R.J. Barrett has taken 200 shots more than Zion <laughs> Williamson on the season, he gets sentenced to seven years in Cleveland. Like, where? let the Cavs get the second pick and take R.J. Barrett. Zion absolutely can't echo there. Hawks would be interesting. Kind of a bad sports town. Atlanta, I hate to say it. Memphis, too small market. Orlando, uh... I mean, I guess they did have Shaq once, but I don't know. It's tough for me to see Zion in Orlando. Then you got Washington, Detroit. Basically, Zion has to go to the Bulls in the next year, and he has to. Rig it. Rig it. Rig the lottery. Rig it for Zion, yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, hopefully it's going to be a fun week. Like I said, we got a trade deadline coming up in a couple days. The the Anthony Davis stuff is sure, sure to be, sure to be crazy. And on that note, as part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network here that Catch Consideration is a part of, we do have Lakers and Pelicans podcasts. So if you're interested in some really good uh, Anthony Davis trade talk, because it certainly feels like it's going to be Anthony Davis to the Lakers or Anthony Davis to nobody if there is a trade, a blockbuster trade at the deadline. So if you want to listen to some great trade talk there for the, from those teams' perspectives, please go listen to Laker Film Room for the Lakers' perspective and then also in the know for the the Pelicans' perspective. perspective. Great stuff here at Blue Wire, Blue Wire Pod Network. A lot of fun. We're, we're growing a lot, adding adding pods by the day. So please go check those out for tons of good trade talk and, and Anthony Davis. Yeah, Blue Wire has been great for us, so make sure you check out the rest of the podcast in the network. Uh, one final shout out before we go. I'm going to give it to JB Bickerstaff, head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, for for this quote right here. Listen in. <laughs> that's that's him saying joke him Noah is fucking crazy after Noah uh, was shoving around his teammates in a game last week. So that just put a huge smile on my face. As did the picture oh, of D Rose, Luol Deng. Taj Gibson and Noah when the Timberwolves played uh, so nostalgic Grizzlies last week. So I think that, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird to even talk about uh, that era of the Bulls. Now, I think that because of, uh, you know, the rape charge against Rose that I have been less nostalgic than I would have been otherwise uh, for, for those years and for those guys. Not that we want to get, you know, super into that, but, uh, you know, that that team did bring us so much joy in its day, Jason. And, you know, we can only hope that the Bulls uh, could someday build another team someday soon, could build another team that 
uh, was as much fun to watch as that one was. Yeah, I mean, just to see them all together again, just obviously just all the all that other like you mentioned aside with Rose, all that stuff still like brings a smile to the face just because that was everyone that's that team took Chicago by storm and they were a ton of fun to watch just and they all they all the guys love each other they still love each other now and just it's kind of great to see them getting back together like that and Lou Alding I think is playing again playing minutes again is he? I haven't seen that I I think he is I, I at least I looked at a box score recently and I thought I saw that he uh yeah, they're 20, 20 minutes last game, 19 minutes game before that, 26 minutes game before that. So the, uh, Ryan Saunders going with Luol Deng back in the Timberwolves rotation. And obviously Noah's been playing a bit with the Grizzlies. He got booed by the by the Knicks fans the other day, so fuck them for that. Uh, yeah, so it's, I guess it's good to see those guys playing again, even if they are washed at this point. All right, well, that does it for us, huh? This has been Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls slash Zion Williamson podcast. We're going to be back after the trade deadline, right, Jason? Yeah, hopefully we will have some good stuff to talk about. Even if the Bulls don't do anything big, I'm sure there'll be some fun stuff to talk about the trade deadline. So if we meander to start talking about other teams, if Davis gets traded, hopefully the Bulls do, do some stuff so we can uh, analyze some trades, some Bulls trades. Either way, yeah, we'll be back Thursday night, probably for probably for some for Friday morning. We'll try to get, get it up as soon as possible, but... Until then, we got a couple days here. Hopefully, things get pretty wild here over these next couple days. It's always a lot of fun doing trade deadline stuff. Definitely. All right. For Jason, I'm Ricky. This has been Cash Considerations. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.